I, I wanted to just kind of talk through the serial displacement disorder that, that I read in your bio, Miss Tony, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so just thinking about what you were just saying about Kenya and the Maasai and how, you know, they have vast ranges of land and, you know, all the flora and fauna who live there and the soil, the water and the air. And so I was thinking about displacement of all of those things. So if you think about displacement of soil through erosion, through just all the different processes of that and how that narrative of that soil is just about disrupted and gone. Right. And so the soil is kind of the not kind of it is the probably one of the of the three most important things on this earth because it is the water filter, right? So the soil is displaced and the water can no longer be filtered. And then the air also is compromised, right? And so that means everything else, a part of that is now disrupted and compromised. And so that goes that displacement that's in my mind. I'm thinking about all of that as far as food goes, because we're definitely displaced in those nutrients, right? Because all they feed us is sugar and salt and fat. <laughs> Right. So and now we're just all addicted to it. And it's hard to it's very difficult to break from that when all they give you all day long through social media, through, you know, the signs outside on TV, just everywhere is drink and eat. That's it. And it's not even about eating vegetables or making sure you get in that. And it's like, goodness, the, just to display the displacement of that. Now it's like the displacement of your mind and your soul and your own beliefs. And I know Baba Oren had questions about the spirituality. So just all of that is disrupted all at once. And, and we're not able to contend with that. I know I can. I mean, I'm starting to think about it lately because we've been doing these podcasts and just because I'm getting older as well, too. So I'm starting to evolve and transform in my thought process. And it, it gets a little overwhelming. And like, where do you start to, I guess, evolve? I don't know. I mean, it's so much to do and it's so many people that we can help. And it's like you said, it's not about throwing money. It's not about throwing resources, but it's about connecting and really, um, you know, strengthening that bond, that connection so that we all can work in tandem with the earth, if you will, so that the earth feels like we have some, like you said, the high vibrations for it. And so it'll continue to be symbiotic with us. And I feel at this point is, is definitely trying to dispel us and all of our energies through these different things that are happening, you know, climate related and so on and so forth. <sighs> Sorry, deep breath. I know girl. <laughs> it's too much. It's so much. It is. And I will say that first, first serial displacement disorder belongs to the magnificent Dr. Joy DeGruy. Oh, I love DeGruy. I love that. That, that concept is all hers. Yeah. Um, she wrote it in her um, traumatic slave mm-hmm. uh, syndrome book um, and coursework. We had her come, uh, this beautiful woman, Sida Taylor. Yeah, yeah. The organic oneness, the, yeah. uh, the be the healing. Yeah. Um, we work. Uh, we started the be the healing out in the Baha'i Temple. Mm-hmm. And she brought, you know, she's good friends with, you know, Doctor Joy DeGru is like a, a mentor godmom to her. Mm-hmm. And, um, she brought her out to be the healing, um, and then the idea was to bring her into Bronzeville so that we could use her and her methodology as a way for us to approach mm-hmm. the relationship actually between police force and the community. Um, and then it, and, and so leaders, all sorts of people were invited to her first jam. Then the second time we focused on educators. And then the third time we focused on students and we got mm-hmm. involved because anytime I show up, that's what my, my ass. <laughs> um, so she spent 
a good year coming in and out doing all day retreats and workshops for the majority of Brownsville residents and stakeholders um, to really get familiar on what this thing we call black behavior is related to. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really, you know, resonated with me because of my work is her chapter on serial displacement disorder, um, which, you know, I can only compare to this. Like I have a friend um, who's, who rents a house out far in the suburbs. And every time I go out there, I'm like, why don't we work on your yard? Why don't we, you know, cause that's who I am when I show up. Well, you could put some plants over here and you could put some da 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 da. Is your basement flooded? Cause if it is, you should put some plants over there so we could da da da, right? And his response was, I'm just renting. I don't know if I'm going to stay here. And it is exactly the metaphor for how serial displacement disorder affects our community. When you have generations of people who have, who feel like where they live, where they work and shop and consume does not belong to them fundamentally. And every single cue within their environment is telling them that their bodies are not welcome in the spaces that they occupy. Their money is not safe. Their bodies are not safe. Their investments are not safe. Their children are not safe. They do not own anything. It creates a syndrome of displacement where you feel that your, your vulnerability and desire to root down in anything is like, keep that suitcase by the door. We start behaving that way towards space. And this is why you see potato chip bags and broken glass and a lack of infrastructure and a lack of people going out to their stoops in the morning. Like I see in Kenya and in some neighborhoods still on the South and West sides where you got grandma that goes out in the morning and she's sweeping that stoop and getting that paper up and she's not waiting on the city to come do it. She knows that that's her space. And, you know, when I was younger, my, my father's mother grew up in Robert Taylor and in the morning they would put pine buckets um, full of pine salt and water in the hallways and they would brush those stairs down and brush those elevators down in those early days because that was theirs. They didn't see it as temporary housing or affordable housing or we just, they saw it as theirs. And over time, when you are sent constant redlining cues, <laughs> you're down in your district, when you are constantly programmed to disassociate with space, um, our ability to be empowered, own that space, and imagine that space the way we want um, becomes challenged. Um, and so a lot of the reasons that I activate the way that I do, not just from you know, securing pollinators to ecosystems, but art and gathering and play is part of why we design our gardens the way we design it, is because it's reprogramming the idea that this space does not belong to you particularly if you can grow it or you can install something that you created, it reprograms the idea that this space is not mine. And, and not only do I not want to abuse it and trash it, I actually might want to imagine that I, I could turn it into something beautiful.